break is over. 2023 is in full gear, and so is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We're ready. Get things going. Got lots and lots and lots and lots of lots and lots and lots. I could say it a couple more times of interviews in the vault, ready to go. Awesome topics. Things are always going on in our society to add on, talk to, talk about. And we're here. We're here. Let's do this. First of all, hope each and every one of you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's keep the positive energy rocking through 2023. I kind of like the sound of that, 2023. Just sounds like a, a cool year, 2023. So let's make it a cool year for everybody, including Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the website rss.com backslash podcasts. That's with an S, it's plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The socials, we're on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. On all of the services that we just listed, please like, star, review, comment, all those cool things to help us out in rankings, being visual, you know, just to help us out. We appreciate it. Any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, advertising. Want to become a sponsor? Send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, as always, a shout out to Brian Cavelli for the intro and outro beat that you hear on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The show is brought to you by First State Bank. Reach out to FSB at one of its 20 locations in Illinois for all of your banking needs. We're going to start right there by welcoming First State Bank, newest sponsor, have some connections with there, aka I used to work there. Great people and every single one of those 20 locations has awesome people that just want to help you with your banking needs, whether it's a checking account, savings account, loans. We're going to talk about Quillo. They have so many products, so many different things that can help you out. First State Bank is truly, and I still bank there. I banked there for 12 years and I only worked there for two. They're truly a great bank and I'm glad that we can partner and they're sponsors of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. So a big welcome to First State Bank. This is episode 247. We have three guests in the house. Well, not in the house, but on the podcast airwaves. Ella Goodrich and Mitch Neely and Brent McKinney. All representing basketball. The 2022-23 hoop season is more than halfway through. Christmas tournaments, holiday tournaments, obviously over. I have seen brackets for conference tournaments, Heart of Illinois Conference, Tri-County. You know, they're coming. We're playing, making it happen. But the memories of past seasons, including 2021 and 22, and the Class 2A state appearances by Fieldcrest and Pena, We'll live on forever, and we had to get some of those memories right here. Fieldcrest made it to state for the first time in school history in Class 2A. They finished fourth. They fell to Winnebago 51-47 in the semifinal at the state tournament and then lost to Pena 49-45 in the third-place game. The then-senior from Fieldcrest, Ella Goodrich, 
And Mitch Neely, still coaching to this day at Fieldcrest, is now in his eighth season with this season. So we talk about going to state. We talk about all kinds of different things with those two, including Mitch Neely's speech impediment that he's been dealing with his whole life. Ella Goodrich was getting ready for the softball season, which has also passed. And she's talking about going to college, which she is doing right now. Ella is playing basketball for Monmouth College. She has started in 11 of the Fighting Scots 15 games and has played in every single one of them. She is averaging 18.3 minutes, 2.1 points, 2.5 rebounds. She also has 10 assists, 7 steals, and 2 blocks. Fieldcrest just picked up a win tonight. They are 18-2 as they are looking to return to the IHSA State Tournament. That's the Final Four. And to better their fourth place finish. Do have to throw this out here because it's been very interesting. I received a text today. said, hey, can you make it to the game? I'm like, to the game? Fieldcrest? I'm like, yeah, can you make it out to Fieldcrest? And I was like, I would if I could. I'm refereeing in Depew. And by the time I got done there, I would not be able to make it to the start of the varsity girls contest. He goes, well, I want to share something with you. The person that texted me, I'm not giving out any sources here, can't do that, said, hey, we have a situation in Fieldcrest where Mitch Neely received a technical at the night's last game and the administration has suspended him. Neely told the team that he was being suspended and didn't say anything else of any other situation, any disagreement, argument besides the technical. So it's up in the air if there's something more to it than just a technical. But Fieldcrest suspended Neely for tonight's game against EPG, which Fieldcrest did win to go to 18-2. So at tip-off, the Knights do not jump. They do not play any defense. EPG scores a layup. The Knights hold the ball Instead of inbounding, take the five seconds, and then a timeout's called. The crowd erupts, starts chanting Neely's name. The community, parents, players, students, everybody supporting Mitch Neely at this game. The video is on my personal Twitter, which is LaChance Writer. That's L-A Chance Writer on Twitter. Check it out. It was pretty cool to have the students the community, the players, everybody supporting Mitch Neely. I don't know if it was a just decision. I don't know if it was a wrong decision. I don't know personally. But if it's just one technical, you're not even kicked out of a game. I don't know why you're getting suspended. But again, we don't know if there's anything else behind it. If we find out, we'll let you know right here on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The third guest, Brent McKinney, coached Pena to State to play Fieldcrest in the third place game last season. He has left the program since then due to unsavory comments directed towards him about his hearing. He has hearing aids and has got a medical ailment that he battles with every day as well. Something was said to him that he felt really disrespected and he stepped aside from the program. He does still teach at Pena, just not coaching girls basketball. Pena is not in our zone. Do not cover Pena on the regular, but McKenney is a friend of Edge of URC podcast as he coached at Mendota for a few years and then he was at Pena the last three years, the last one as a head coach, two as an assistant coach. Like I said, he's still teaching, not coaching, so he's still involved in Pena, still lives there, but not coaching the team. 
Lots of changes, advancement, all kinds of things from March to January since we spoke last March. We are going to get these interviews out of the vault a lot sooner. Life happens, busy times. We've said this before, we're done saying it, we're just going to get to work and put out Edge of Your Seat podcast episodes. But even though time goes by, the memories don't, the stories don't, state tournament never fades. Once you're there, you got stories for the rest of your life, and they shared them right here on Edge of Your Seat podcast to put on the podcast airwaves. We already did the big welcoming. Let's hear the first ad from First State Bank on Edge of Your Seat podcast. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take the vacation that you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or a PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. The new year also meant we had to do some house cleaning, make some changes for Edge of Your Seat podcast. Since we like to be open, honest, and do everything that we can to connect with everybody listening to Edge of Your Seat podcast, we'll go over the little checklist that we've been, you know, changing, switching stuff out. So we got a new sponsor, FSB. That's awesome. They now join Mendota Ford and Surf Internet. Have to give a monstrous shout out to Mary Jane Orozco, who is the owner of SureStep Illinois, who was a sponsor with Edge of Your Seat podcast previously. Uh, she lost her mother, Anna Pukarich, who I had the pleasure of knowing and just want to give a heartfelt shout out from Edge of Your Seat podcast and me, Brandon Lachance, to the Pukarich family. I know their son's Ricky and David as well, pretty well, especially Ricky. We play basketball together. We've hung out a lot. So just want to, you know, share my heartfelt, you know, apologies that they're going through this time. Um, it's never easy. She battled leukemia like a warrior. Um, and it's really, 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 really sad when I saw that she had passed away. So my thoughts and prayers with the Pukarich family and, you know, I hope they can keep their head as high as possible because I know that's what Anna would want from them. Back to the checklist. We're going to get back to regular scheduled programming. We used to do three shows a week. Then as things got busy, you know, life was happening. Uh, we kind of went to two a week. Then it was one a week. Then it was one every other week. And then it was one a month. And nope, 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 nope. We need these out here quicker. Um, I'm hearing almost like a supply and demand thing. I went to a couple games as a referee and I'm like, Hey, where's a podcast? Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? I'm getting texts and emails like, hey, I would like to be on. Hey, let's talk. Hey, and none of that can happen if we're not putting out these shows. So that is on the checklist. We're making that happen. Getting more directly involved with communities and schools. 
I am a reporter. I do talk to a lot of people. I am in multiple different communities. I am a referee and official. So I'm at different schools talking to administration and doing all those kind of things. But we've set up an email line to get more information, you know, pushing forward. So we have things here to get out as soon as possible and put on these shows so you know what's going on with your sports team, the community, whatever is going on around us. This is a sad one, but I did pull the games. The top five, the hot potato, rank them, and now and then. Just taking time, and not a lot of people have time to talk for a half hour, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and editing, and you know, it's time. Time is money. Our money, your money, their money. <laughs> you know how that all that goes. But we're still going to get some of that stuff in there. Just not as a whole segment inside of an interview. We'll joke around with them. We'll throw random stuff out. I talked to a recent guest about Little Wayne for about 5-10 minutes. And it was awesome. So instead of setting these things up and you know, kind of getting the same answers, that was a deal too. It's kind of the same routine answers. Sometimes we get some different ones, which was cool. But it was just time to go away from that. We did it for like 100-150 shows. And it was a lot of fun. But we're going to pull them back and do some different things. And last but not least, we changed some things geographically. When we first started Edge of Your Sea podcast, sat down with a compass and did like a 60-mile radius. But that was a radius. That's what I started off with. Well, uh, some schools were distant. Some were too far away. There was no connections, you know, things like that. So we redid our boundaries and we restructured the schools and communities that we are going to cover. So here's the list. There's 48 of them. I was up to like 57, but I had also changed my location like two, three times, moving to different jobs, different newspapers, things like that. So as I did, I added more schools and didn't really take any away and things like that. And then it just got to be too much. When you're going over the state playoffs and postseason things for volleyball and track and cross country and all these other sports and the list of things that you're looking for takes an hour. That means there's too much. Let's go back a little bit. Let's get the communities close to you. You care about the listeners care about you're getting feedback from things of that nature. I know it sounds real business-like, but Hey, it's kind of a business, ain't it? So here are the 48 schools Amboy. Oh, they're also in alphabetical order. Amboy, Ashton Franklin center, Anawan, Byron, DeKalb, Depew, Dixon, Earlville, El Paso Gridley, Fieldcrest, Genoa Kingston, Putnam County, Hall, Henry Sinanchewan, Hinkley Big Rock, Indian Creek, Caneland, Kiwani, Kiwani Weathersfield, Lamoille, LaSalle, Peru, Burrow Valley, Ottawa Marquette, Mendota, Morris, Newark, Oregon, Ottawa, St. Bede, Plano, Polo, Princeton, Roanoke Benson, Rochelle, Rock Falls, Sandwich, Seneca, Serena, Samanac, Sterling, Newman, Stillman Valley, Streeter, Streeter Woodland, Sycamore, Midland, which is in Varna, Yorkville, and Yorkville Christian. So some new ones, some ones that have been there forever, some have disappeared. 
Thank you for the guests and the feedback and stuff that we had from the schools and communities that we are not going to cover anymore. But we got the same joyous welcome as we did for First State Bank for the schools that we're covering, representing now. If you are from one of these schools or from one of these communities and you've got some good stuff, whether it's stats, something going on in town, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that'd be a good guest, shout out. Send a message on Twitter or Facebook or send an email, podcast at gmail.com. few quick things I want to talk about before we get to our guest. Lots of things going on in our society that I have been paying attention to. So I jot down like, man, I want to talk about this. Hey, I want to talk about this. Some will be quicker than others, but here we go. The Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Genius. It's not really attractive and it's not really Michael Jordan but it doesn't matter. It has his name. Meanwhile, I saw the LaFlop trophy after LeBron James, and that made me laugh for at least a good two weeks straight. I'm still laughing right now, but I know I'm recording, so I'm not trying to chuckle. But the Michael Jordan MVP trophy for the NBA is awesome. Jalen Hurts, to me, is the MVP of the season. When he is playing football, He is the most valuable player for any team doing some amazing things. I know like, oh, well, he's just having a a great year. Well, that's all you need. You're not the MVP of the last 10 years. I know they keep saying like, oh, well, he's not a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or he's not a quarterback like Tom Brady or he doesn't have to be. He has to be the best player doing the best things for their team this year. And Jalen Hurts is that guy doing the best thing for the Eagles, which are the best team in the NFL record-wise. However, as a fan, as a journalist, I cannot get behind the Eagles. I don't know what it is. I've seen them lose to Washington. I've seen them lose to the Saints. I've seen them beat the Packers only by one touchdown November 27th when the Packers were not playing well. They only beat the Indianapolis Colts 17-16, November 20th. They lost to the Cowboys. I know Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, things like that. So I don't even count that as a loss because, you know, he was hurt. But I'm just saying, you only beat bad teams by just a few points. Sure, you had some other routes. But you gave up 17 points to the Houston Texans, which would have been the worst team in football this year if it wasn't for our guy Lovey Smith going for the two points to get the win and making the Chicago Bears his former team the worst team in the league so they could have the number one draft pick. I don't know if he did it on purpose. The memes are great but Lovey Smith I got mad respect for you. You're like hey you're gonna fire me which they did. They fired him shortly after. Knew he wasn't gonna be in Houston so he's like hey I'm going to mess you guys up. You're not getting the first pick because of me, but my guys in Chicago can. Today is Thursday, January 12th, and we are headed into the wild card weekend. So we got to get our picks in. AFC, we have the Los Angeles Chargers and Jacksonville Jags. I'm going Chargers. I would not be surprised, though, if the Jags win. They are one of the hottest teams in football. I'm not going to say the hottest. We're saving that for who I do think is the hottest team in football. But they're playing great. And man, 
What a difference a year makes. A new coach, Urban Meyer out, and he was destroying Jacksonville, or did destroy Jacksonville, and they bounce back and have a playoff caliber season. Good for them, but I think the Chargers are just way too talented. They have this Chicago Cubs jinx-like thing about them, though, and it doesn't matter if it's Phillip Rivers or Junior Seau or the other great defensive players that they've had there. And they've had so many talented, so many talented people. LaDainian Tomlinson, Darren Sproles. They had some really good players there and have not been able to go the next level. And I don't think this year is any different, but I think the Chargers beat the Jacks. Bengals of Cincinnati, Ravens of Baltimore. Baltimore is playing without Lamar Jackson. That says it all. And then you add the hottest team in football because that is the Cincinnati Bengals. They are hot, hot, hot right now. Ravens are not. Easy win for Cincinnati. Then we have the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. Dolphins have had, they started off with a great season and then have tapered off and not as good. Bills are the Bills and probably one of the top two best teams all put together. If there's not injuries, things like that, Buffalo Bills are probably going to win that easy. NFC, I got the Dallas Cowboys over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am not crazy confident in this one, but Dak Prescott has got to hear all the trash talking that all the ESPN guys, all the NBC guys, all the everybody guys and women around sports media are talking about Dak and the Cowboys and saying that they're going to fall on their butts. It's possible, but I don't think against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And honestly, Tom Brady, not saying you're the worst quarterback in the league, but you are not Tom Brady anymore. You're 45 years old. It's time to retire. The New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings. I am definitely, definitely, definitely not on the Vikings bandwagon, but I don't think Saquon Barkley is enough for the Giants to get a win here, so I'm going Minnesota. And then we got the Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, besides being on their third quarterback who is still getting the job done, are a super, super talented team. Everybody in a 49ers jersey pretty much is playing lights-out football. They got an easy win over the Seahawks, and I believe they're going to be in the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to say my prediction right now. That's who I got in the Super Bowl. Cincinnati Bengals for the AFC. San Francisco 49ers for the NFC. The Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. That's what I'm going with. Those are my picks right now. I'm locking them in. Got no money on it. Just the fact that I said them here on Edge of Your Seat Podcast for you to know that I was right when the Bengals beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But if that does not happen, Okay, I guess you can talk smack and tell me that I picked wrong. I'll take it. I'll take it like a champ. I know this happened a while ago. Haven't discussed it yet. Jose Abreu, not with the Sox. (sighs) (sighs) First of all, that's painful enough that he's not with the Sox anymore. But then he signs a crazy deal with the Houston Astros. And that's like my least favorite team in the MLB. Sad days, sad days. But with Abreu leaving, I think this means that the White Sox window is closing. Not that they were a super World Series team, like a contender, but I don't think that they're going to even make playoffs for the next couple years. 
I think that window is closed. They're going to have to make some big moves for something to happen. Deion Sanders takes over the head coaching football job at Colorado, University of Colorado. Good for him. He's definitely an insane football mind. And what I like is I just read in the news that somebody asked him about taking a job in the NFL. And he goes, I don't want to coach rich men. I want to coach and help improve young men who want to be rich. I was like, all right. All right, I like that quote, and I like that mind frame. I like how he's thinking like that, and he wants to help people learn the game of football, not to have people argue with him that, hey, I make like $40 million a year. You're not telling me what to do, and that's got to be a tough thing for a grown man trying to tell a grown man how to play a game that he's playing, and then you're trying to tell the coach who is a grown man that you know what you're whew, – whew, that's drum. Huge shout-outs to Kip Cheek the editor of the Mendota Reporter, and Rick Jacobs, a basketball player back in the day for Mendota in the 70s. I believe their crazy state run was in 1971. They're both going to be inducted to the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. They both deserve it. Awesome honors. I got to write a story on Kip Cheek. He didn't want me to write it. I mean, he's kind of my boss. He's the editor, and I'm the lowly newspaper writer guy. But the story turned out well. He gave me some stuff to work with. And I got the opportunity to meet Rick Jacobs and his wife. They were fantastic. Not trying to be somber, but Mendota had a huge downtown fire. LaSalle's Karis Chemical Company had three explosions and caught on fire. There's chemicals and water and falling from the sky and burning chairs and tables. And man, 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 man. Let's be safe. As safe as possible. Fire is no joke, and it's real. In 2023, and I know we got crazy technology, and the fire departments have stuff that they never had before and things like that, but we can't let that overshadow the fact that if a fire starts, an explosion starts, that's really, really hard to stop from destroying things. At least three to four buildings are being taken out of Mendota. They're going to be demolished, and there's another two that could be, and the one that may be saved, it's going to be like almost $2 million to fix. So that was what I heard from an architect today. The building is right across from the Mendota Reporter, which I write for. So I'm talking to people every single day, getting some insight. But hopefully, you know, we can move past this. It has been been tragic. It's, It's been really sad. There was no human lives lost, lost some animals. Rest in peace to the animals that uh, were taken in the UJ Pet Store. Mendota history is gone. Businesses are gone unless they move shop somewhere else. I don't know the details of insurance companies and cash flow and all that other things, but a lot of people's lives were highly affected, largely affected, influenced by this fire. And Karis is going to be no different. They had a hotline. They got people reaching out so you can talk to them. There's people that had to be evacuated from their homes. Like these are tragic events. Fire and explosions, no joke. The college football playoff is extending to 12 teams for the 2024-25 season. I love it. I thought they were going to go straight to 16. I have no doubt in my mind that at one point the college football playoff is going to be 16 teams. But at 12, I think it's a great extension over four. 
Because let's face it, it was either Alabama or Georgia. They were locked, and Clemson had a couple of good years. But you had like two SEC teams. Then it's going to be a Big Ten team, which was usually either Ohio State or Wisconsin. And TCU got in, which was a huge relief for a lot of football fans because there's always that team that like, oh, just because they're not an Alabama, Georgia, oh, they get in. And they beat Michigan in the semifinal, but then got clobbered by Georgia. But I don't think anybody was stopping Georgia in that championship game. Georgia is your national champions, and they played like it. But getting back to it, it was just like the same four teams or, you know, maybe the same six or seven teams kind of in rotation. Notre Dame was in there for a while. I mean, nobody got an opportunity. I feel a college football playoff is going to give some more opportunities, and we're not going to see the same teams, you know, hoisting national titles. And I know it's not like, hey, they went on a Baltimore Celtics run in the 50s and 60s, and they had a crazy amount of titles in a row, or UCLA, or the Yankees, you know, stuff like that. But it was similar territory almost every year. Alex Ovechkin, hopefully I said his name right, the hockey player for the Washington Capitals, has 809 goals all time. He's still a scoring juggernaut at 37 years old. He is actually a month and three days older than me. His birthday is September 17th, 1985. Mine is October 20th, 1985. I'm talking about him, and he's playing hockey in the National Hockey League and trying to break records. At 8.09, he is second all-time in the NHL in scoring goals. The top spot is, of course, Wayne Gretzky at 8.94. I don't know how much longer Mr. Alex Ovechkin is going to play, but... If you give him enough years, he could climb. I don't know if he's going to surpass 894, but at 809, he's not that far off. This is always my least favorite, closet favorite part of my intros when I do rest in peace lists because you're sad that people are gone. And these are celebrities and people that have, that never met. You know, you're sad that people are gone, but you think about their movies or their books or watching them on TV or things that they did and you smile and like, Hey, I have memories and things like that. So that's why I do this not to be like, Oh, Hey, this person died, but you know, to share some light on some things that they did and accomplishments and why they were famous, why we're talking about them, why these names are nationally known worldwide known like Barbara Walters passed away at 93 years old on December 30th. What a legend. One of the greatest interviewers ever. Sports-wise, I always say Dan Patrick. World-wise, want to know information about anything? It was Barbara Walters. Gangsta Boo dies at 43. Huge part of my childhood. 3-6 Mafia. Listen to a lot of that. No, I'm not a gangbanger. I do like rap music. And 3-6 Mafia and Gangsta Boo was just some music that you're working out. You're running, you're doing something like the beats, just maybe not listen to every word. I'm not pulling out a gun and hitting anybody or shooting anybody or doing anything like that. But some of the songs did have some meaning and the beats always had your head nodding and it was get crunk music, things that, you know, you're just sitting there, you turn that on and you're not just sitting anymore. Sticking in the music realm, Jeff Beck 
78 years old. He passed away just a couple of days ago. A guitar legend who I just saw Rolling Stones magazine had him in the top five guitarists of all time. And I saw that he was called the guitarist of all guitarists. So rest in peace, Mr. Beck. Bernard Kolb dies at 100. In my realm of the world, journalism, this dude is a legend as well. He worked for CNN, New York Times, NBC, ABC, any outlet that had news. Mr. Kolb was there on the job. Fred White of Earth, Wind, and Fire passes away at 67. He was a drummer. Earth, Wind, and Fire made some amazing music, and he was a huge part of that. Only been to Dave & Buster's one time in Chicago. It was good. I mean, I didn't really eat a lot of the food, but I had fun playing games. But co-founder James Buster Corley died at 72. I don't know how this, you know, shakes, rattles, and rolls Dave & Buster. Hopefully, you know, the uh, other people involved can keep it on track. And Ken Block, a racer, YouTube personality, passed away at 55. believe he got into a four-wheeler accident and passed away. So rest in peace to all of them. Obviously, you had fans. You did something to change the world. You influenced people. And, you know, that's something to be commended for and to be mentioned on Edge of Your Seat Podcast for sure. Well, it's time to get to our guest. We're going to start with Ella Goodrich, Mitch Neely, and then Brent McKinney. You'll hear some ads here and there from our sponsors, Mendota Ford and Surf Internet. So until next time, which will be super soon. Peace. Our awesome guest today, we have Fieldcrest Senior, Ella Goodrich. Ella, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Speaking of awesome basketball, Fieldcrest girls basketball team had an amazing season, ending with a trip to state, finished fourth. Ella, you had to be proud of this team doing something that the Knights never had before. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. We never thought we would make it to state, let alone the final four. And we just thought it was a crazy and exciting experience. And it was an incredible ride, and we wouldn't change a thing about it. Even at the state tournament, you lost the games by, like, five points, three points. I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head right now, but there was... Four and four. Four and four. She's like, I know. Trust me. I know these. <laughs> so you guys were battling. You were in every game. There was no blowouts. You guys were fighting for a state championship or a third-place finish. Just fell a little short. Yeah, we were down by 22 in our first game, and at halftime, we just basically laid out all the cards, and it was now or nothing, and we decided to just give everything to that game, and it was really awesome to see how hard we worked, and Coach Neely was pushing us to the best of his ability, and we came a little short, but I think our effort proved everything. I was going to elaborate on that. I mean... Being down by so much, you know, 20 plus points and coming back definitely shows what your team was made of. You know, you didn't win a state championship. You didn't win a game at the state tournament, but you fought. You showed what kind of basketball players you were and the heart behind it. You know, that had to mean something for you guys as well. Absolutely. Our community, that is one thing they said to us all year long, was that our heart was in the game. 
and we played with it every time and had so much grit on the court. And it was really awesome that our community had that to us, and it made us feel good about the game we love and that we were able to share it with so many people. That's fantastic. Let's talk about the season in general. I mean, you're the lone senior, the only senior on the squad. So coming into the season, what was your initial reaction knowing that you were going to be working with everybody younger than you? Um, I was honestly pretty excited last year because of COVID. We didn't get our full season. So I was able to learn a little bit about the girls, but not fully what I wanted to. And this season, I learned so much about these girls, and I feel like they're my sisters. And I could tell them anything, and they'd be there for me no matter what. And so being to be like their big sister was really incredible. Do they call you big sister? No, I wish they did. I'm just kidding. But I'm the youngest of four girls in my family, so I like being the biggest pal. Uh, so you're like, hey, this is a change for me. I'm going to take advantage of this <laughs> while it's here. Absolutely. What are your sister's names? Is there an Abby? Yes, there is an Abby. I remember speaking to her for a story. I don't think it was a podcast because I'm a writer as well. I think I spoke to her for a story. What are your other two sisters' names? Danielle, Brittany, and Addie. Gotcha. And you're the youngest? Yep, I'm the youngest. So you're like, hey, I'm the oldest right now. I'm taking full advantage. I'm going to be your big sister. We're going to win some games. And it just happened you had the best playoff run in Fieldcrest history. Yeah, even it still hasn't sunk in yet that we made it that far. How was the team all together, you know, as this is going on? Because all of them get more seasons. You only get one, being that you're a senior. So with this being said, how was it as you guys are plugging away through the postseason and realizing, like, hey, we're only a couple games away here and keep going, knowing this is your last season, but they got more. How was the dynamic between the entire team? Well, everybody played like it was going to be their last game for the rest of their life every time. And I think that's what made it so special. Even though they weren't all seniors, they still played as if they were playing their last game. And so we just gave everything to each game, which made us want to achieve more and do more. So I think that's what got us this far. And we didn't originally think we could get straight. And we just kept winning. And we were like, we're getting pretty close. We can do this. And our confidence began to grow. Saying that you didn't think you could get to state during the season, was there hiccups or things that were not going right that you guys had to reshape or adapt or, you know, change your game plan to make it possible? Yes, after the winter break, we came back a little sluggish on our defense and we started breaching more. And we only played five to six girls every game. So if we got in foul trouble, it was not good for us. So we had to rework our defense a little bit. And now we pride ourselves very highly in our defense, and I think that showed a lot in state and in the postseason. Perfect, perfect. Was there any games or anything, like, right after Christmas break or, you know, the second part of the season, was there any games or any moments that you remember, like, okay, you know, we could probably put this together. We might be all right here. Was there any moments like that? Well, we did end up winning the HOIC conference tournament. And that is when we pulled everything together. We said, there's no more time. We want to peak now and continue to peak. And we put it all together for that game and won the first title in Fieldcrest history, girls basketball there. So I think that's when it really like started to click for us. Yeah, you win the Heart of Illinois Conference, which is a tough conference year in and year out. So many good teams, so much talent in this conference. You win that, and then you're just kind of like, hey, 
let's keep this going and see where it takes us. That's kind of the mindset from the team. Yes. How much does Coach Mitch Neely help with this? I know him pretty well. I call him a friend. I know he is all about Fieldcrest girls basketball. What part does he play in helping you, the team, get through those stretches and realize what you're worth and what you're able to do on the basketball court? He is a huge role for our team. And he wakes up at 4 in the morning sometimes to scout teams and watches four to five games to give us the best possible scouting report possible. And then we take time out of practice to go over what the team's going to do so that way nothing surprising happens during the game. And he just pushes us all to the best of our abilities. And throughout practice, we do have to run a little bit when something doesn't go the right way. And I think that's a credit to him. He wants us to be the best that we can be, and pushes us, and pushes us, and honestly, he's just a great coach. Coming into the program, did you know what kind of coach he was? Um, a little bit. I have never had a coach fight like him. He gets on you sometimes, and it's a little hard, but as the season, and as I got older, I realized it was tough love, and he was only doing it to make me the best player I could be. And he's full of energy. This is an intense guy. Oh my goodness, yes. He's always jumping and he plays music and he's always dancing and singing and trying to get us all hyped up for our games and practices. He has so much energy and I do not know how. <laughs> Sometimes when I have been at Fieldcrest girls basketball games, he does look like he has more energy than the whole team put together, even when you guys are a high energy yeah. team. Like, it's crazy. Yes, it absolutely is crazy. And I think that's because he loves the game so much. You mentioned the, you know, community, them reaching out, like, hey, you guys played with heart. What did that mean to you and the team to have the community, you know, say these things? Because, you know, that's what you play for, right? You play because you love the game, but you also want fans in the stands. You also want that attention and then to be like, hey, you guys are a really good basketball team. What did it mean for them to reach out and say, hey, congratulations on everything that you've done? It's not everything. In past years, our community had mostly focused on the boys' basketball team. But it was awesome to just see them care so much about us once we proved ourselves. And that, and we had ambulances taking us out of town. And we had our parents painting windows for us. And the community actually bought us a charter bus for one of our sectional games, which is absolutely amazing. And it's all part of our community. And I am so proud I'm from Minunk. Awesome. Are you going to get a tattoo on your cheek that says Manunk Proud? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> the parents wouldn't like that, would they? No, they would not. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, now that the basketball season's over, are you playing any spring sports for Fieldcrest? I am playing softball. I'm a four-year senior for that awesome. Okay, okay. Are you a three-sport athlete or just those two? Five, actually. Whoa, whoa. Five? Yeah. So I picked up golf during COVID. So I played golf for two years, and then I did football cheerleading, basketball, softball, and volleyball for four years. Wow. Congratulations. That is a lot of stuff. Crazy time commitment, but obviously you have the skill and athletic ability to do it. Well, thank you. It means a lot. How do you manage your time? Like, when did you have time to breathe? You don't really, if I'm being honest, but... I just love all the games, but I can never pick just one, and 
all the teams are so different and they're all so welcoming. But I just wanted to try it all and I ended up falling in love with each game in a different way. And I worked my time around it and I wouldn't change anything. That's fantastic. What's your favorite sport out of those five? Basketball or softball? I don't know. I don't know if I can choose. Is it kind of like whichever season you're in, that's your favorite? Yes, I would definitely describe it like that. What are you looking forward to this softball season? I mean, if it ever stops raining, we can play some games. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to having fun. We're a pretty young team as well in softball as we were in basketball. So I'm just looking to have a fun season. Well, hopefully you have a great softball season. Again, being spring, it's your senior season. This is your last go in softball, so I know you're going to play with your heart. Put it all out on the field. Absolutely. Any plans to continue with sports after high school? So I visited Monmouth College and met with their basketball coach, and I absolutely loved her. Their program was so well-organized, and it just seems like a really fun group of girls. So I'm definitely considering going there to play basketball. Awesome. That would be amazing. Monmouth is a good school. Always have good sports programs. I do appreciate you having a word with us. You're driving somewhere special right now, right? Yes, I am. I'm going to play in my All-Star Conference game. So the heart of Illinois Conference All-Star Game. So you know everybody that's there. Are you excited to be able to play with them oh, yeah. instead of against them? I'm so excited to play with them. They are all such amazing athletes and to finally be on the same team as them. Because I have never got to play with any of them. So just to have that opportunity and just have a fun basketball game is going to be so awesome. Anything that you want to do to make the game special for you? You know, like hit 15 threes or, you know, dunk on somebody? <laughs> Can't quite dunk just yet. Well, I'm going to try and hit a couple threes in this game. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe uh, <laughs> I was a all-star coach for the uh, Illinois Valley all-star game that was played at Putnam County at that time. We literally tried to set up where a player would, like, jump on the hands of another one and try to dunk. Missed the dunk, but it was awesome to watch. That is hilarious. I need to tell the girls we need to do that. Uh, yeah, if you can pull it off, it'll be amazing. We tried twice, and it didn't quite work, but all the girls had a good time, and we did win the game, so, you know, it was fun. Awesome. We are going to play some hot potato. I'm going to throw you to people, to places, to things, to of whatever, and you pick which one you like the best, okay? All right. We're going to start kind of easy. We're going to go Knight's Colors. Gold or the navy blue? Navy blue, all the way. Okay, okay. Now, you did say basketball and softball were your two favorites, but what about the others? Which one do you like better, dance or golf? Oh, golf. Golf or volleyball? Golf. Okay, so golf is in third? Yep, it is. Volleyball or cheer? Cheer. <laughs> okay, okay. In golf, being your third favorite, would you rather drive or putt? Drive. Putting is very mental, and it's hard when you're having a bad game. It is extremely. I just started playing golf last year, and it's tough. It, it really is. Yeah, definitely. Volleyball, would you rather play in the front row or back row? Any other year I would have said front row, but this year I'm going to say back row. 
What was different? Um, I decided I really like bumping spice, and it's fun to just, like, try and dig a ball that someone's whipping at you. Okay, so you stepped up the challenge and tried to do something different. Yes, I did. <laughs> Mountain Dew or Dr. Pepper? I didn't drink soda, but when I did, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> She's like, I gave that up. <laughs> McDonald's or Wendy's? McDonald's. You didn't give up the McDonald's yet, though, did you? Since you don't drink pop or soda, as you say, flavored water or non-flavored water? Non-flavored water. Ice water. Okay, okay. Iced tea or lemonade? Lemonade. Summer or winter? Summer, for sure. Rain or snow? Rain. Wait, thunderstorm. I don't know if we can talk anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was just totally kidding. That was hilarious. You like snow? Uh, over rain and thunderstorms? Yeah, I would say yeah. I'd go snow. Uh, At least it looks pretty. Yeah, I mean, but thunderstorms are really nice when you're going to bed at night. All right, all right. You got a point. You got a point. <laughs> Will Smith or The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? I don't know how much you watch TV. The old Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Um, the old version. That's the only one I've seen. Okay. You're right with that one anyway, even if you have seen the new one. Good. <laughs> I'm just being a hater. I haven't seen the new one either, but Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I mean, I don't think it's going to get better. Well... <laughs> I'm going to let you go. You have somewhere very, very important. I, you got to get in the game. Got to get focused. And I don't know how much Edge of Your Seat Podcast is helping with that, even though we are talking about basketball and awesome things in hot potato. But thank you so much for joining the show. You had a great season, and I know you're going to rock it at this all-star game. Thank you again, Ella. Thank you so much. The chats, the interviews on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast are brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate Jason Hintz pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship. To get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last three years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815 815- 539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford.
This basketball season was awesome. I mean, it was a full basketball season, state tournaments, everything back to normal after COVID-19 kind of wiped us out for a couple years and had things really, really different and weird. Back to normal. Or even better than normal for some programs, some players, some coaches. And my guest today is one of them. Every year that he's been the head coach of Fieldcrest Knights girls basketball program. Improve, improve, improve. Now this year you make it to the state tournament, finish fourth. Mitch, I know you're on cloud nine and super happy with your team. Yeah, man. Well, first, I want to thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, I'm definitely someone that has the podcast on a lot. And I appreciate those kind words. And like you said, you know, this was my seventh season as the head coach. We've come a long way. We've built each season. And uh, this year was just a uh, great kind of thing just to kind of come and put it all together and uh, make that trip to Redbird. It's, you know, been something that um, as a Steelcrest fan, that is something that they've tried to do and wanted want to do it for a long, long time. So I was happy that our district could get to go uh, experience that, uh, not just you know for our fans, but for our players too. Um, the whole postseason was just a great experience for us all to kind of have it come to what you work your whole life to. I mean, I can remember as a player when I was in high school back at Carthage, you know, like I would be out on the court you know, trying to shoot dupes, you know, imagining myself at Redbird. You know, it's something that I never got to go to as a player, but as a coach, um, I'm very thankful that I got to experience. It's something that not a lot of coaches get to do, so I'm definitely in it. I did make the most of that, and I'm very grateful for that as well. Before you even got to state, so you know you've made it, you win your sectional, could you believe it? I mean, everything that you've put forward through the program, you know, everything you've asked of the girls to get there, could you believe it that it was actually happening? Well, I mean, to be honest, we, like, we had nobody on our team, probably even myself, that when you asked us before the season if a goal of ours was to make it to Redbird, I would think none of us did say that was a goal. You know, our goal, you know, we had won two, or back-to-back for regionals, and so our goal was just to win a sectional game and uh and then so we won that game in sectional and then kind of from that point on you know it just kind of was like all right let's win this next one let's win this one let's win this one you know until um we had that game that we won at supers at morton and uh you know that was a heck of a game um and then we made it there but i think that's a credit not just to the team that we have now but a credit to all those girls that i've gotten to coach last seven seasons as head coach you know i can think of there's a group of three three girls that were seniors when i was first coach and that was brooke aaron and abby they were a group that were you know as a team and they were good leaders and then they trickled that down, it, it, you know, to girls like uh, Maddie and Addie, who were uh, my two seniors the first year we won a regional. And those girls then took that down. It's been something that um, we've just built. But um, I've got great coaches. Um, I've got – I've had some in the past, and I have some now with Coach Tubbs, who's my JV coach, who is an LP alum. Um, I'm sure you know him well. He does a great job with these girls. Um, I've got my wife, Coach Kate, um, who played at Westland, who was a great player herself, and I love having her. And then Coach Jorns, um, they, they all do a great job 
with these girls. These girls buy in and they believe on what we're trying to do as a team and they love each other. And uh, when you do things like that, you know, you have a type of season like we had. I definitely know Isaiah Tubbs well. He will be on this podcast eventually. We've talked about it before. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but it will happen. He uh, just said when I told him that I was going to be honest, he's like, man, he's told me for a long time that I tried to be honest, but you got to have him. He's a great dude. Um, he does a great job with our team, and he definitely made a huge impact on our season. For sure. He will be on. I have not forgotten right, about good, Mr. Tubbs. Not good. at all. And, and the dude has game, too, man. The, the uh, dude can still get up. He's got hops. Uh, he can definitely uh, play ball, man. So, yes, great dude, too. When he decided he wasn't going to try to transfer after IVCC, I was really surprised because the best basketball that I saw from him was his last year at IVCC. And I was like, man, you're not done. And he's like, no, I just want to try to do other things. I was like, you should keep playing. Like, I thought he should keep playing. Well, he's a player, too, and he tells the girls this, too, that um, he grew a lot as a player. Like, he started to peak, kind of like you said, when he was playing at IVCC. And, like, I think he could have played more, um, but... Props to him, you know, he's a great teacher for our district, and uh, we're very blessed to have him as a teacher and the coach here. Definitely, definitely. You were mentioning girls that, you know, previous players. Can I get the last names for them? we got to give them some props for helping oh, yeah, create yeah. this so team. When I, so my first year as coach, my three seniors were Abby Fuller, um, Aaron Pongrass, and Brooke Clenworth. And those three uh, were my first core group that I had. And like I said, um, the two seniors that um, won our first regional were Mad- Maddie Hoke and Abby Goodrich, who you just talked to. Addie, her sister, Ella, who was our lone four-year senior on our team this past year, and she got to, to actually be on that team. She was a ninth grader on that team when we won our first regional. And like I said, a lot of that leadership uh, from those girls have just kind of came down. And uh, not just their leadership, but the expectations of what I and what they expect of each other, both on and off the floor, you know, it's kind of just kind of been something that, you know, has grown within our program and uh, it's built something like it has now. Definitely. Ella just played. A deer just ran right in front of the car. Wow. Oh, was, man. Was, you, know, you are live action right here. We are live, folks. We are live. <laughs> yeah. Slam on the brakes real quick. Deer just ran right in through the road. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. On Highway 251, that was nuts. But well, you're good, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nothing happened. All right, all right, all right good. All right. Well, that's good, man. <laughs> Deer's alive. Car is unscathed. I am okay. Everybody's all right. All right cast is on, man. All right, good deal. <laughs> that was super crazy, though. When I talked to Ella, she was actually driving to the Heart of Illinois Conference All-Star Game. She meant a lot to your team. You talked about her leadership, but she could score. She played defense. She could do a little bit of everything for you. Yeah, she did a lot, man. Uh, She's going to be someone that we definitely miss both on and off the floor. Um, Like I said, for this year, we had two seniors. um, Her, which, you know, she played for all four years. And then we had um, a girl by the name of Delilah. She came out for the very first time. But Ella, she's some that you just can't replace. You know, she was the heart of our program for a long time. 
she actually was a sixth man her first year playing, and then she started out for since her sophomore year. She has the most wins of all time of any player here, and she just did so much. And like you said, you know, she's somebody who's played guard, who's played post, and you know, for this year, she kind of put it both together, and um, she played more post. But her moves around the basket just improved so much. And she just is, you know, has a hard goal both on and off of the floor. And she's a great leader, like you said. Um, her defense improved so much, you know. you know, And she's not a big post. I mean, she's like 5'9". You know, she did a great job. You know, I, her best game of the year by far was, was our game at Super Sectionals, where she played a girl that was 6'3" probably like, I mean, just a big and bulky girl, and you know, she was going D1, and she didn't score at all in our game, and then in the flip side, too, on offense, you know, what was so great about it is we spread the floor out, and we forced that girl to come guard her, and she just took her off the drive all night, and uh, she had a great game, um, and right now, she's kind of debating if she wants to keep playing college ball or not, um, but I think if a school gets her now, um, they're going to get someone who still has a lot of game and it just continues to improve on things. And uh, I hope, and, you know, selfishly, I'd love to see her play ball more. But she's great both uh, on the floor and off it as well. She's a very smart girl. She definitely is going to be somebody that we miss. Although Ella's not going to be with the team next year, you're bringing back a lot of talent, including Ashlyn May, who is winning, being awarded, honored, recognized for her great play all season long. Talk about her and then the rest of the team that you know you're going to have back. Well, I mean, you know, she's won a lot of awards. I think she'd be the first to tell you, too. You know, she couldn't do those things without her teammates. And I think that's what makes her so successful, too, is because... Um, she just knows when to turn her game on, and then she knows when to be that person that gets the the, the other girls involved, or you know, sees that they're having big games, so gets them the ball more. Um, and I think that's what separates her. You know, um, she shot fifty percent from the field as a point guard, so I think it shows just how unselfish she is. And then you know, she led our team. She set a program record for most assists and most steals in a season. I mean, she did a lot of good things for us. You know, she knows when to drive. She knows when to kick. She just has a great IEQ of the floor. Um, and she's a heck of a defender, too, which I don't think she gets enough credit for. But I think a lot of that is because she loves the game. She loves to watch the game. You know, she had two older siblings that they both played for our boys team. Uh, she's been to a lot of the games, so she's watched a lot of basketball. Um, but like I said, the best thing I feel like about her is her selflessness and um, just her ability and know-how um, and know when to get her teammates involved um, and then when to pick her her game up and then kind of when to take a backseat and kind of let them do their thing. We bring back uh, two other juniors that started for us this year. Um, one is Carolyn Migau. She was a first-team all-conference defender. She averaged about nine points and seven boards a game. And of the seven boards a game, she had five of them were on offense. And she's 5'6". Yeah, she has a knack to just know where the ball's going to go. She has a heart to go get it. Because that's one thing I talk with the team all the time, because we're not tall. Because we had 
no girl was taller than five foot nine. And we just preach and preach and preach and know that getting boards takes heart. And we find a way to position ourselves to get those boards. And she's somebody that does a great job with that. And like I said, she's a heck of a defender too. We always put her on the other team's best player if it's a guard or a post. And she takes a lot of pride in trying to shut that down. So I'm definitely excited for her for next season too. And the other junior starter that we bring back is Haley Carver. Um, she actually set the program record for most threes in a season. Uh, I believe it's 109, and the record before that was 65. So um, she not only beat that, but she destroyed that. Um, and as you, you can tell um, by the, the amount of the threes that she made, she's a heck of a shooter. I mean, she's somebody that you have to be on at all times. You know, she had a game where she had nine threes in one game. But one thing that I feel like I was most impressed with with her um, as far as this season goes is her improvement on defense. She really did a great job throughout the season on improving her defense. And that's one thing I kind of, you know, got on her to improve on for this year. So I'm super proud with that fact that uh, she's going to bring that part to her game. And I know she's going to improve on that too, but uh, she does a lot of good things for us. And then the and then we have a sophomore uh, who started for us this year, and that is Caitlin White. She actually was second on our team in points per game. In the same sense, too, you know, we talk about Carver made 109 threes. She made, I think, like 98. So we've got two girls that can shoot lights out from three, and we have a point guard that does a good job of trying to get them the ball. I think that makes a good mix. But White, uh, she's somebody as a sophomore she played with a lot of confidence, and um, I was most impressed with kind of how she came into what we were trying to do for, for this season, even as a so- as a sophomore, and just played so confident on the floor. And I think that kind of came full circle at the end. Um, in our two games at Redbird, I think she averaged like 18 points a game, um, playing against you know some some of the best teams, you know. So I think that shows kind of what she has for this year. Um, and what she can bring to the table for next year. But, I mean, all things being said, I mean, I've had a lot of people come up to me, oh, you're going to bring a lot back, you're going to bring back, you know, these girls, and that's great. Uh, but there's a lot of the teams in our conference that bring back a lot of good play- players too. And we can sit back here and say and show on paper, you know, who you all bring back. But if those players don't work hard in the offseason to improve their their game, it's all for Joe. So um, I challenge them, and I know that they're going to. They're going to do all that they can to improve their game because uh, they know now that target on their back just keeps getting so much bigger, and they have to embrace that and outwork their uh, opponents even in the offseason. And they've begun that uh, – Three of the four are going to play true, true apple ball, um, some for the first time. So they want to, you know, expand and grow their game in that sense. And I think that's great, you know, for them to go against good players. So I'm definitely excited to bring back those four girls. And then we had a lot of girls on the bench, too, who are going to do some great things. And they improved their game so much, too, this season that I'm definitely excited to see them for their next year as well. Awesome, man. It's great when you can have a great season and then know that you have leadership and aspects of this team still coming back. I mean, that's really hard to do in high school 
sports sometimes, especially in, you know, class 2A, smaller rural areas. Well, and it helps so much as a coach, too, because I want to expand what we do so much, but I don't, don't want them to think a lot, too. And this is a group that, you know, we had to add a lot of the new plays and types of things that we're going to do or have done, and they learn the game so well. And I feel like we don't have to spend as much time on that, you know, this next year that we can just kind of expand off that and grow off that be more attention to detail on things and uh, I think that's going to help us a lot too well congratulations to this team fourth in the state and you didn't even think so you're you're like coming into it you just thought you were a team and you wanted to try to get a sectional you end up fourth in class 2a in the IHSA state tournament man congratulations well, thanks again. You know, it, you know, it was definitely a season that we will not forget, and I want them to remember those moments, those games. Um, we we played and we beat some tough teams, um, and those, those are things even now. I think back in my head, I think well, there's certain moments and you know plays that just are in my mind that uh, are going to be in my heart for a long, long time, and it's because of the hard work that these girls did. Um, that we got to go through all that. Well said, Coach. Well said. Well, thank you. Also going to have Pena head coach, Brett McKinney on the show, used to coach in Mendota, and we've been friends since he took the job there, and this was like six, seven years ago. And it was crazy that you guys played in the third place game. I'm like, man, I know both coaches. I've covered them both. It was It was cool for me to be able to watch that. Talk about the third place game and – Pena has talent, you guys had talent, and you went at it. I mean, every postseason game that you were involved in, obviously you won until the state semifinals, but you were in both of those games, too, only lost by four and four points. I've known Brett for a long time as well. It's it's kind of, kind of funny, too, because throughout the season, um, I, I would text, I would call and talk to him, and then kind of for us to play, you know, that last game of the season was kind of cool. Um, I had a great chat with him before the game. Brett's a great great guy. He's doing great things down there. I'm very proud of him um, and definitely appreciate his, his friendship. But, yeah, so, I mean, I'll just talk about that first game first. You know, we're playing against a top-ranked team in 2A. They got Stud. Um, she's their all-time scorer there at Bego. And uh, we come out, we don't play well. I kind of feel like maybe the bright lights got to us a tad bit. We're down 22 points at halftime. To be honest, I'm like, I don't know what we do. I don't know where we go from here. I mean, you know, like we're getting beat. And so I came in there. I kind of gave the girls a challenge. And I told them that we kind of had to fight and fight and claw back. I knew the type of heart that we had because I'd seen it all season. You know, there were... Um, at least two games in the postseason that we've been down, um, you know, including that super game. We were down by, by seven in the fourth, and we came back and won. So I knew they had the fight in them. But playing against a top team like that, down by that much, you know, at Redbird, I didn't know how we would respond to the second half. And, I mean, they came out, they played with heart, they played with grit. And they just fought, fought, fought. And, you know, we cut that thing to four points and we had it, had the ball and just didn't find a way to win at the end. But I was so proud of how much that they fought, you know, in a game like that against a top-ranked team. They just showed no quit. And one thing that I told him is life is going to be the same way. I mean, you're going to get 
knocked down. You're going to have to face adversity. It's how you respond from that uh, that's going to say a lot about you. And I think that game kind of said a lot about them. Yes, I know we didn't win the game, um, but we didn't just lie down. You know, we fought and we didn't quit until the end. You know, so I was proud of them in that sense. And then kind of on. Fortunate because then we have to turn around that same night. I mean, we fought and clawed back. We had to press. And then we have to turn around that night and play the third place game on short rest. I will say I'm not a huge fan of that, um, but it's what they had planned. That's what we had to do. Um, so we got as much rest as we could. Uh, it's hard to play a team like Pena who will press you and you're playing on a bigger court. So you know, that was a tough game, too. And, uh, you know, we started off with the lead, and then they kind of cut it back. And then I think we were down by 12 points at one time in the fourth. And, I mean, just did not quit again. I mean, we're on dead legs. We, I mean, our tank, and I told them before the game, just, you know, your tank has to be on E when you leave this floor. And, I mean, their, their tank was darn near close to it. And it just kept clawing. We cut that thing down to four A again with the ball, and just didn't find a way to win. But my goodness, you know the grit that they showed—not just that game, but both of those. You know, and that whole day. I mean, that day is a whirlwind of a day. Between we had an assembly at our school, then we took the bus to Redbird, then we played that game, then we had to get some rest and play the third place game. And we didn't leave the gym that night at Redbird until I think like eleven third at night but that being said I would not trade one part of that whole thing and that's one thing that um, I talked to some coaches who had been there before and they said you gotta record kind of the behind the scenes thing and so we did that and I had some of my younger girls record those moments like on the bus when we came in the gym and so we watched that when our season was done and you know like the joy on the girl's face to relive those moment and those are things that we're never going to forget so i thought it was you know, a great idea and i'm glad that we did that good stuff man good stuff also good stuff i read a story i can't remember who wrote it you can tell me um about you and you know health problems that you've had and kind of talking things like that you and i have known each other for you know close to 10 years and we've talked about it just not for a story not on air didn't know if you know that's something you do and then i read that story and i'm like man he does have a great story i knew it he needs to share it if you would enlighten us all with what you discussed in the story and you know things that you've went through yeah, so um, I really don't like to define it as a problem, per se. It's just something that I was born with. So I have stuttered my whole life. It's been something, uh, like, like I said, that I, that I had at a young age. You know, um, It's not one thing that happens to somebody. It's just something that you're kind of born with. I mean, as a kid, um, I did some speech therapy, and it helps some. But then, you know, there's just things in your body in, in your body that, you know, just, you know, there's words that, you know, don't come out the way that you want them to. So it actually was a piece by Jim Matson. He was talking to me kind of before um, our games when we went to state. And to be honest, I didn't even know that he was going to bring that up. And so um, if you watch the 
video, it's kind of, you know, you know, it kind of caught me off guard at first because, you know, it's something I, you know, I haven't in the past been as comfortable to talk about, you know, it's been something that I've kind of just, you know, not wanted to say too much. You know, I think a lot of people know that it's part of me, but one thing that I talked about in that piece and that I would like to tell people is like, I'm not going to let that define me though, too. And I mean, I think that some people, if it's the way that they talk, the way that they walk, the way that they look, you know, I think sometimes they hide from their insecurities and don't go out and live the purpose that they were put on this world for. And I feel like, you know, being a coach and being a teacher and being able to impact young people um, is kind of what God put me on this world to have a purpose with. And I wasn't going to let uh, my ability or lack thereof to speak in a proper sense at times hold me back from doing that because uh, I felt it deep down in my heart. And so that's one thing that I kind of talked about in the piece. And that's one thing I would tell people now is um, do what you love, do what's on your heart, do what you feel like is your purpose in this world. Um, and don't let those things that you maybe have a fear of keep you from that because we all have a purpose and we all have a why as to here and, you know, what we're trying to do in this world. And like I said before, I think, you know, mine was trying to, you know, make an impact in the lives of young kids. Yeah, it's not been perfect. You know, there's times, you know, where I'm coaching or I'm talking to kids in my class, you know, sometimes that word just won't come out the right way or, you know, that type of thing. But I never let that try to get to me too much. And I feel like maybe some people in my shoes maybe would have let that happen. Like, why go into a field where you're talking a lot. I mean, you know, where I'm talking to you on a podcast now. I mean, like, who would have thought at some point in time person that has a speech impediment would do something like that? But in the same sense, too, um, I feel like if I let that control me, then I'm not doing what I'm sat here to doing what God has called me to do. So I would encourage all people, um, you know, to kind of have that same mindset. That's what I tell my players too you know that's one thing you know throughout this whole thing i've talked to a lot of people a lot of people on the news you know like i told them hey if i can go do it it should be no problem for you guys and i think you know they see me in that sense do- doing something that i love and overcoming those things and i think and i hope that maybe that maybe shows them that they can do the same thing in their own lives so i just love them you know the fact that they accept me for who for who i am and I just feel blessed that I get to do this these days. Well, I feel 100% more inspired and motivated in life than I did before speaking with you today. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, um, but I speak from the heart, too. I, I tell my players the same thing on that piece, and I'll say the same thing. Those people who have those insecurities, you know, and that type, type of thing, like, just know you have a voice so make sure to let that voice be heard well spoken my man and you spoke it that's awesome hello mendota resolve to make stronger connections with surf fiber internet right now get two free eero wi-fi routers with gig speed and with all speed plans you can add on home phone for just ten dollars a month unlike the other guys there's no contracts hidden fees or annual rate increases ever. 
Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. What was also awesome to watch was my guest and his team, Pena Girls Basketball Program, going to state, finishing third in Class 2A. Brent McKinney, so happy to have you back on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, as you are a friend of ours. But man, you beat Fieldcrest in the third place game to be third in state in 2A. I know you've had a crazy schedule going on, but that had to be insane for you. Oh, it was it's just awesome. I mean, just that the whole three weeks experience even leading up to, you know, going to state is just something that, I mean, it's, you're just never going to forget those moments, those rides up and down, and obviously more ups and, and down, but, you know, just that whole experience and then being able to go to, you know, to Redbird and then just to be one of the only, you know, two teams in the state that actually can end their season, you know, on a win is just just awesome experience. You've been coaching for quite a while. You've had lots of success, lots of moments happen that, you know, you can look back on and be proud of. Where does this state third place finish rank? I mean, there's no doubt that it's, it's number one. There's just no doubt. Left Mendota, didn't know if I really ever wanted to be a head coach again. You know, went down and was an assistant coach for a couple of years and then just moved over to Pena as an assistant coach and very happy, you know, doing that. And then there just happened to be, you know, sometimes, you know, God can put you in the right spot at the right time. And that's kind of what I feel like. You know, happened at Pena. There was a situation that, you know, with the, with the head coach, and I was able to step in and, and fill that, you know, last year during the, the COVID season. And then obviously this year with the postseason run, I mean, it was, I'll tell you, it was very emotional for me, you know, after winning the super sectional game against Carterville, just kind of lost it on the court. You know, after the game ended, it just kind of validated what I'm doing, you know, what we're doing, what my coaches, you know, are about, and just getting back to state, you know, that doesn't happen very often, and, you know, I've been very blessed and lucky. Now, this is the second time that I've been to state. You know, this is definitely the, the biggest basketball, you know, moment, you know, coaching that I've had in my, in my career, just to be able to, to kind of get back to, to state and just kind of, you know, be proud of what I've accomplished, you know, proud of what families have to go through sometimes with coaching changes can be you know hard on on everybody and you know sometimes people don't don't see that so this definitely was the number one thing in my coaching career for people that don't know you or have not heard our previous conversation or read stories that you know we've done together things like that when was the first time that you went to state first time would have been 2008 9 season down at, at Olney. Um, we got fourth place in state, you know, back then. That one was kind of a, a different, little bit of a different ride. We kind of flew under the radar down there. So um, that was obviously a very special, too. That first time you go to state is obviously, you know, special. This year, uh, there's a little more expectation on this, the group that we had. You know, when I was their JV coach that first year, we were something like 22-0 uh, and 0 or something like that. We didn't lose a game on the JV level. Um, and then last year we were kind of 14 and two with the season. And so there was a lot of hype and a lot of expectation coming forward with the group that I just had. 
With you taking the head coaching job for the COVID year, did this year kind of feel like your first year with the program? Or was it, hey, this is my second year, but now we're making it count? I had the, you know, the luxury of actually being the majority girl JV coach, so that kind of helped a lot. What, you know, my style, my expectations, what I'm going to, you know, expect out of them kind of thing helped out, you know, and that's what we kind of used last year for then that year. Because I was still considered an interim coach throughout the COVID thing, so I was, you know, just trying to make sure that I, you know, was still doing what the, you know, the head coach wanted me to do kind of thing. So if he were to return, it wouldn't be like they missed a step or anything like that. So, you know, we were doing that part. And I would say the summer was big. So that's when it was official then. They removed the interim tag. So that's where we could kind of really, you know, get going on some things and really key in on what was going to be our bread and butter for, this upcoming year. So I think actually having them at my JV, it wasn't like I completely came in from the outside. I think having those kids, you know, for that JV year and then even the COVID year, both of them were, you know, equally important in the success that we had this year. It's crazy how that happens, right? You have these years that are weird or different or even a losing season, but then you look back when you become successful or you get to state or win a sectional regional and be like, hey, this wouldn't happen if it wasn't because of this. Is that kind of what you did with the last couple of years and how the team matured and bonded together through coaching changes and struggles and things like that? And then, hey, now we're in, at the state tournament. Right, absolutely. I'm just glad that the group that I had, we had a big um bulk of juniors during that that COVID year because there are so many teams out there that had you know would have had a really good team that you know the year before that didn't even get a chance to do that so that was I mean I was very happy and, and thankful that we got to have you know postseason this year because I mean nobody knew what could happen again just a very fun time you know and, and I put a lot a lot of pressure on myself because I wanted to make sure I could do everything I could to get these kids as far as they can since they missed out on something the year before. You know, they had that chance taken away from them to have a, you know, a quality run. So there's a lot of pressure put on, you know, not from anybody on the outside. You know, as a coach, you put that pressure on yourself because you want, you know, the best for your team and you want your team to be able to achieve the highest they can. And that's what made this whole year, you know, so worth it. Definitely, definitely. Well, congratulations on getting to state. That's not easy. And this team, when we talked last time, you were excited, thrilled with the talent that you had and said, hey, we have a chance to be a really good team. What did you have to do as a coach to, you know, put in fruition, make it happen? I mean, you look at teams on every level of basketball and be like, oh, this team could be really good or should be really good. One injury, one coaching deal, one, you know, Mental breakdown with a player, especially in high school. Not that we ever want that to happen, but it does. Any one of these things happen, and a season can be thrown off. What did you have to do as a coach to maintain and juggle and keep everything together to get this the success that you had? Oh, I mean, there's so many things that just have to go your way. You know, I mean, sometimes the luck of the draw in a regional. You know, a matchup against, you know, a team that maybe doesn't have a great record or something like that, but maybe their strengths are your weaknesses. And so that can, you know, definitely play a role. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought we kind of got, 
the short end of the stick when it came to our postseason run. And this was the very first practice we had in postseason um, after the, our regular season game ended. I told the girls, we got the toughest road to get to state than anybody else. But it's going to make it that much more sweeter when we do get to state. And, you know, very fortunate that happened. You know, at one point I added up like what the records were of everybody. But just to kind of put it in perspective, our first game in regionals, we played uh, Monticello 19-11. And we were the overall number one seed in our whole sectional thing. And so, you know, usually you get a cupcake. You know, you get the winner of a play-in game or something, and you might get a, a 7 and 15 or, you know, a 5 and 18 type of team that first round of the regional. Well, no. We got a 19 and 11 team right out of the gate. Regional championship game, I believe, was like a 23 and 8 team or something like that. But, I mean, we had a hard road all the way through. Um, and, you know, like you said, injuries are always a, a, an issue there. Um, luckily and fortunately we stayed healthy, you know, throughout the year, but there are a lot of little things that, you know, can happen. And there are just, you know, there was a couple games that we had in that season that really, I would say, turned the corner for our program, really got the girls to kind of believe. And so one of those wins was we played Lincoln. Um, Lincoln was a 3A school who at that time we played them, I believe was fifth, maybe in 3A. Uh, they got a phenomenal little guard who's a sophomore, Froby girl, who's got, I don't know, like 20-something D1 looks right now and stuff. And so, like, early in the year in our Thanksgiving tournaments, they beat us. So we had a chance where we had some cancellations on games, and we were able to get them on our schedule. So we got another shot at them kind of later in the year and was able to beat them in a dogfight of a game by... I don't know, five or six or something, come down to, you know, making free throws and stuff. So that was kind of the game that really, like, turned that. You know, obviously we still had a good record going in, but that was kind of what gave our kids, like, okay, we are this good, and if we continue to play like this, we can definitely, you know, take that next leap and get to state. You know, that's what happened. We played phenomenal down the stretch, and obviously that's kind of what it takes to, to get to that next level. Definitely. Let's talk about the state series. Who did you meet in the semifinal? First round, we met um, Quincy Notre Dame. When the season started, my prediction was Winnebago against uh, Q&D. And that kind of, you know, held up true. So, obviously, they were a phenomenal team. They're led by all-state junior, Shrek girl, who is just uh, a beef. Um, she's about a six. Six foot, six one, kind of a a combo type guard, and obviously at the two A, you don't have anybody sometimes that can match up with her. And we were fortunate enough that we had an all stater, um, Jillian Hamilton, who was a five ten, you know, very athletic kind of a combo, can play inside, play outside, and that's kind of how we hurt teams depending on you know, who you match up with her. We'll put her in the post. If you're gonna put a post on her, then we'll bring her to the outside. And that's kind of what um, Q&D had done with, with the Shrek girl. But, so that was a fun matchup to watch those two go at it. Um, Shrek girl was averaging about 25 a game. Our girl was averaging about 18 a game. It was a great battle just watching those two alone. I believe the Shrek girl had 13 points that game. And I believe Jillian had like 11 or 12. So they both were, you know, locking each other down. So that was kind of kind of a 
a fun thing there. And honestly, the difference of the game was probably the first three minutes. You know, whoever, the way that they set up the state tournament this year, nobody got any practice time ahead of time. So usually that night before, the day before, you get like a 20, 30-minute like walkthrough on the main court. And that that's huge, just to be able to get different, you know, that background is harder, the lights are brighter, you know, the ball sounds different when it's bouncing, and the rims are a little bit tighter and stuff. So whoever can usually make that first adjustment to that type of background is going to have an advantage. And they came out and hit some corner threes on us, which were a shot that we wanted to give up. Had a couple different kids that made them, so you just kind of tip your hat to them there. And then they had a play right before half where I believe we got it down to three or six or three or four, something like that. And the Shreks came down just inside the 10-foot line, kind of double-clutched through one off her hip and got it to go right before halftime. So that kind of... Obviously, when you're playing that caliber of a team, you can't have that. You don't want that to happen to you because three more points are are huge. So we ran into a very tough Quincy Notre Dame team in the uh, semifinal to the first game of of state. That's crazy that you predicted who the state championship game, who was going to be in it. Um, Do you have proof of this? Did you go to Vegas or anything? No, I did not. And and even at that point, you don't even know how the IHSA is going to lay it out. You know, you don't know if Q&D might get funneled to the north or something, and those two teams could meet, you know, in a super sectional somewhere. I mean, you just, you just don't know. When I kind of saw what, you know, people had coming back and how, you know, how their personnel was, that was my first reaction was Winnebago and Q&D. And I believe you. I believe you. I think I know you well enough to know that you want to lie about this. So I'm going to say that you did say that. I appreciate that. <laughs> For sure. And I know we're talking here. I got off of work and I have not ate yet. And I hear my stomach making noises. So hopefully I can edit that out. But if I can't, I'm just forewarning. I am not farting or tooting. It is my stomach saying, hey, bro, I am hungry. But just blame it on the wind. It's pretty windy out there. Oh, it's awful. I'm actually sitting in my car outside of my house. And it's snowing. There is ice and snow formulating on my windshield. Wow. It's crazy. You're a little south, so you probably don't have that. Then you get to the third place game. You run into Fieldcrest, which, did you play them when you were at Mendota? Yeah, well, I don't know if we ever played them in the regular season. I know we played them in the in the summer. Sometimes we'd cross paths with them, whether it be at Ottawa League or Ottawa shootout or something, or I think we actually the last time I remember playing would have been Mitch's first year, his first summer with him. We played them at Putnam County. Okay, so you knew of him, you knew of the team. Going into that game, what were you kind of expecting and what was your game plan? They were kind of like us at Army. They just kind of flew, you know, under the radar. They're kind of in a an area that maybe doesn't get as much, you know, hype as some areas do. But you knew that they were good. And, you know, everybody I talked to was like, well, they've got pretty much, you know, five or six kids. And it's like any given night, which one is going to be a kind of leading scorer and stuff. They, you know, play hard. 
And so first time I actually got to see them live was actually at the, you know, the state tournament. And, you know, we, that our first game, we played a very tough game, very competitive game and stuff. So uh, our kids had to pretty much play. Our rotation pretty much had to play, you know, the entire game. Well, at first, um, Winnebago got up big on them. You know, so my first concern was, well, because the way they did the new format was you're playing third place the same night as you're playing your semifinal which I wasn't a great big fan of, but, you know, it is what it is. And so, you know, your kids are mentally, you know, the, when they lose that semifinal game, there's a little bit of a, you know, a mental adjustment that has to be, you know, made because we thought, you know, we'd be in the running to, you know, possibly get to the state championship game. And then that, you know, that doesn't happen. There's a little bit of a, you know, a letdown period or something, but we had to obviously shorten that up as much as possible. Um, so when you're watching, you know, field crest play and they get down pretty big early, you know, I'm thinking, well, now they're going to maybe have to rest kids. And so they're going to have that little bit of an advantage. But two field crests, you know, credit and Coach Neely, they just kept at it. And they kept at it. And they got it down where I thought they it might have been a one-possession game toward the end against uh, Winnebago. They threw on a little bit of pressure to them, and Winnebago kind of coughed it up and started, you know, certain kids kind of started hiding away from the ball. And so they made that game, you know, super, super, super close, which made me a little bit, you know, happy as a coach because they had to exert as much energy as we did, you know, in that, in that particular game. So going into the, you know, the third-place game, you know, just a great matchup. Just two teams that are very athletic, you know, long, kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, interchangeable. And so it was just a, a very well-played third-place game, quality game. I think we might have won it by five or six. I honestly don't really remember what the score was. Just remember coming out on the on the right side of it and just being, you know, super, super happy that we got third place. Definitely. Like I said already, but you can never hear this too many times. Congratulations, Brett McKinney, on a fantastic season, you know, finishing third at the IHSA State Tournament. And like you said, you're only one or two teams that ended your season with a win. Absolutely. You know, it, it was just awesome. I mean, just so many other things. You know, we were 36 and, and two this season. 36 win with a school record for, for Pena. Also, looking in like the record books or something, 36 wins tied for the second most in state history on the girls' side. So, you know, other things to kind of add to that, you know, third place uh, trophy is just awesome. And then also on top of it, I mean, this is the reason why I wanted to coach in a small town that truly, truly, you know, cares about their, their sports, you know, from administration all the way down to, you know, the community. And I'll be honest with you, I've been in places that sometimes that doesn't happen. Fire trucks when we come in after winning the regional and the sectional and the super sectional, they did a little fireworks show as we got into town. I mean, the, the welcome home parade and, and all the send-offs and stuff. Honestly, that's probably what those kids are going to remember more than what the final score was in that third-place game. They're going to remember all those little things and how signing autographs for all the, you know, the kids as they came home and that kind of stuff. It's just, I mean, it's just an unbelievable ride that 
I know I will never forget. I'm very thankful that I got to do it with the group that I had, the administration. The community was just awesome in, in support. I want to say we probably had the biggest section of the four-class system that was up there stayed for uh, the girls' sides. And then it got a little bit smaller for the third-place game because our fan bus, our student bus, had to go back because everybody had school the next day on that Friday. But, I mean, it was just unbelievable ride emotions, feelings, and I mean, I couldn't be prouder and happier that I got to do that, you know, with the Pain of Panthers.